from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to be here with you this morning, every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. Say it with me now, MixLR.com backslash DT, And, of course, on WakeUpCallDT.com. Dot com, your one-stop sports shop, where you will find the live Mix LR feed, and right beneath it, you will find how you can download the the links to download the app on Podbean, which is the Wake Up Call DT Show app, as well as the iTunes podcast, as well as the RSS feed. So, so many ways to connect with the show, and over 790 shows in the archive that you can connect with. That number is going to hit 800 this week before Christmas. And I'm ecstatic about that. So, shout out to all of you. Thank you for listening in, tuning into the show, being a part of the show, and just being wonderful people that you are. In the Morning Menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special. Belgian waffle cut in half, bacon, egg, and cheese inside. My spin on the breakfast sandwich. I love that bacon, egg, and cheese, but... I decided, you know what, why put it in between of an English muffin or a bagel or anything like that? Put it on a Belgian waffle. Let's do it up differently. Let's make it fun. Let's make it exciting. Let's give the wonderful Central New York and Upstate New Yorkers and everybody traveling into town something that they're not used to having. So that is exactly what we did over at the Market Diner exclusively. So get it there over at the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street. Get yourself an amazing, amazing spin on the breakfast sandwich right there at the Market Diner. They proudly bring you the morning menu inside of each broadcast, which is the topics of the day and the topics of today's show. We're going to start first and foremost with Jaguar Replay, the Jaguar one-on-ones. I'm excited to bring these to you. So the Jaguars have been saying recently here what's been on their mind and what they have been saying to me in one-on-one conversations about the success of the team this season. So this is going to be the Jaguar replay, and I'm very excited about sharing this with you this morning on the show. So we're going to hear from the likes of Malik Jackson and A.J. Boye and company for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you have an opportunity to hear what they have to say on a team that is surging forward, a team that is pushing to win the division, a team that is very close to winning the division but has already punched their ticket to the playoffs. So either way, they will be in the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I do not stutter. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the playoffs. No matter what, they are going to the playoffs. Whether they win the division or make it in as a wild card, they are guaranteed now a spot due to their hard work and determination. They will be going to the playoffs this season. 3-13 and last season. This season, 10-4 and with two games to play. 10-4 and with two games to play. And their best record ever 
for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Best record ever was 12 and 4. Or pardon me, 14 and 2, which they did in 1999. 14 and 2 in 1999. Second best record is 12 and 4, which they did in 2005. So, they're not going to be 14 and 2, can't get to that. That's the best record they've ever had. That was their fifth season in existence. And 12 and 4, the last time they were 12 and 4 was in the 2005-6 season. Which was twelve, which was twelve years ago. Twelve years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars were twelve and four. Ten years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the playoffs. Ten years ago, so it's been a decade since they've gone to the playoffs, and it's been a dozen years since they've been twelve and four. They have the opportunity to do both if they win their games that they have coming up these last couple weeks of the season the Jacksonville Jaguars first thing in the morning menu you're going to hear from the players in just a moment but first and foremost to look at the Jaguars and where they stand right now they have a couple games to go and have already clinched a playoff berth they're 10 and 4 behind them are the Tennessee Titans who are 8 and 6 the Tennessee Titans lose one more game and the Jacksonville Jaguars outright take the division so Pretty crazy, pretty amazing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll be at the 49ers who just took down the Titans, and then they'll be at the Titans. So they'll be playing against the team that just helped them out. The Jacksonville Jaguars Jaguars will be playing against a team that just gave a little buffer in the division, and that's the Niners for beating the Titans. So they will play the Niners who have gotten better as of late and who have Jimmy Garoppolo under center. It looked like they were going to try and save him for next season, but due to injury, he had to come out onto the field, and they're on a three-game winning streak. They defeated the Colts, the Seahawks, and the Texans. Or, pardon me, they've defeated, uh, looking at the Niners, I'm talking about Jacksonville over here. The Niners have done well. They are on a three-game winning streak. They defeated the Bears, the Texans, and the Titans in a row. At the Bears, at the Texans, and then the Titans at home winning some close games here. They will have the opportunity to play up against the Jaguars. And if the Jaguars are to win this game, if the Jaguars are to win this game against the Niners this week on Christmas Eve, and the Titans lose against the Rams, which is a very good possibility, with the Rams being as good as they are, the Jacksonville Jaguars will secure the division before the finale which is the Jaguars up against the Titans in Tennessee on New Year's Eve. So, that game that you don't want the division to come down to if you're a Jacksonville fan, you don't want it to come down to because that's feet against the fire, that's back against the wall type of game. If the Jaguars win this week and Tennessee loses, there is nothing, nothing that's going to stop the Jaguars from taking over. The division. How crazy is that? How crazy is that, Jacksonville? Because the thing is, let's say Jacksonville loses, right? They go ten and five. Tennessee wins. They go nine and six. They play each other. Tennessee wins. They go ten and six. Jacksonville goes ten and six. And all of a sudden, Tennessee jumps over and overtakes the division. So Jacksonville is is rolling right now. Jacksonville has won three games in a row. Jacksonville has won seven of their last eight games. Seven of their last eight games. Started at the Colts, then home against the Bengals, home against the Chargers, at the Browns, at the Cardinals was a loss, the only loss amidst all this, and then winning all three games at home, Colts, Seahawks, Texans, 
as they get set for their two road games to finish off the regular season. They started 0-2 at home at Everbank Field and have since gone 5-0. They finished 5-0 at home, so they would love to be at home for this one, I'm sure. And the fans would love to see them. The 60,000-plus that have showed up as of late would love to see this team, I am sure. So it's it's definitely it's definitely definitely going to be an interesting interesting finale here. But if the and here's the funny thing about Blake Bortles, this is this is this is the crazy thing about Blake is that fans were booing him last season at Everbank Field. I was sitting there listening to some fans boo this man. He sucks, he's terrible, get rid of him, yada, 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 blah, 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 yackety-schmackety. Now, you know, just just ignorant people. Because what did they have before him? Chad Henney, who's been his backup, and he's been a good backup. But Chad Henney, not the guy who's, who's going to lead you into the playoffs. And Blaine Gabbert, who's not the guy that's going to lead you really anywhere. So you have Blake Bortles. And people started to boo him, and and everything was his fault, and he was terrible. And like I brought up recently here on the show, if Blake was so terrible, then how come he's finding a way this season? Same quarterback that went three and thirteen last year is ten and four right now, and has already clinched a divisional, has already clinched a playoff spot, and is close to winning the division, and is throwing touchdowns to Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens, and his top three receivers are injured. Not many quarterbacks in the NFL, as good as they may be, will be successful when when their top receivers go down. Without Allen Robinson, without Allen Hearns, without Marquise Lee, he's doing better. He's doing better. He's not just playing well, he's playing better. He's trending up. He's staying away from interceptions, and he's playing better. So the question now is, this is the funniest thing, get rid of Blake Boyle. How many people in the offseason said to me that they wanted to get rid of Blake Bortles, that they didn't want him on the team anymore, that, Dan, it's time for him to go. Dan, why do you support him? Why do you think he's good? Why would you keep him? Do you know how many times people had spoken to me about Blake Bortles and why do I think he's good enough and why am I defending him and why do I feel like he should be on the team and he's the biggest glaring issue and why didn't they get Deshaun Watson? Why didn't they go after him in the draft coming out of Clemson? Why did they let him go to the Texans? Yada, 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 yada. Over and over and over again. I heard, I mean, I had these conversations. Yet here we are today and people are like, oh, do we sign him for an extension? Do we get a whole new contract? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we keep him? How do we keep Blake Bortles? Oh my God. How do we do it? Do we just just do we just give him the option? What do we do? It's hilarious to me. It's hilarious to me. All it takes is a little bit of time. And people are so impatient. People are so impatient these days. You loved Blake Bortles when he started to do some good things early on in his career. And he hasn't been in the NFL that long, folks. He's not been in the NFL that long, ladies and gents. People liked him in the beginning when he started to have some good moments, right? He's in his fourth season out of UCF. His fourth season, right? In his first season, he played in 14 games. People were like, eh, he was okay. 
11 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, not really happy. But they were coming off of Blaine Gabbert. 2015-16, 35 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Everybody loved the guy. Played in 16 games. Then last season, 23 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. People were starting to get a little bit stir-crazy. This season, through 14 games, 61% completion percentage, highest he's ever had, and he's throwing to receivers that are not his top three. Already over 3,000 yards. 19 touchdowns to 8 interceptions. Has not thrown an interception in the last three weeks straight. Not a bad player, huh? Not that guy that you want to get rid of, huh? All of a sudden, you like him, huh? Okay. So, when we look at... The Jacksonville Jaguars. I cannot repeat enough that your quarterback that you wanted that not everybody not everybody some of you were smart (laughs) I understand people's frustration but this quarterback's in his fourth season his fourth season and third different offense Nate Hackett was on the show a few days back And he shed light on so many different things. Blake Bortles has been in three offenses in the NFL in four years. Three in the NFL in four years. This isn't Tom Brady with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels forever in a day. He's been in constant flux. So his numbers have changed. That is perfect symmetry. Constant flux, numbers change. Perfect sense. Numbers aren't going to stay the same in flux. The definition of being in flux is that things are not staying the same. Things are not constant. So, just sheer common sense told you that this man was going to potentially struggle because of the situation that he was in. And he did struggle. But the man who's been his quarterback coach for the last two years, Nate Hackett, became the offensive coordinator. The man who has been in the film room with him every single day of his breathing life is now his coordinator. And that cannot go understated of how much that means to a quarterback or how much that means to anybody. That in a world of constant change, he had three years of continuity being close to Nate Hackett. So this has been, that's been a huge part of it. Blake Bortles having consistency in a world of inconsistency in Jacksonville with Nate Hackett has been a huge part, I believe, of his success. Another part of his success is because Nate Hackett believes in him and Nate Hackett trusts in him and has faith in him. And, you know, it was kind of let on that he maybe didn't get that in the past. Maybe he didn't have that much 
faith and trust in him. So you get that positivity, you get that continuity, you get that faith in you, and look at where he's gone with it. How many quarterbacks can sit here and boast that they're successful when they lose their top three receivers? Not many. Not many. So the whole, do we keep Blake Bortles? What do we do? I find it laughable and I find it hysterical Because Blake Bortles is the best thing that they've had. And no, I am not comparing the two in this moment. I'm just stating an eye. There's the best thing that they have had since Mark Brunel. Best thing they've had since Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel was the the GOAT, okay, of Jacksonville. He was the GOAT. But he also had Keenan McCardell, who's back with the team as the wide receivers coach, doing a hell of a job because the fifth string wide receivers catching touchdowns, which says something. If your backup to your backup is good... Give some love to Keenan McCardell. Jimmy Smith was back there with Mark Brunel. Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, Marcus Stroud, Donovan Darius, Aaron Beasley, Mike Hollis. There's some good players. Natron Means was there for a little bit of time. There were some really, 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 Kyle Brady at tight end. Really good players. Really good players that were on that team. Really good players. But look at the team now. You have a quarterback who's playing well in Blake Bortles. You got a beast of a running back that if he stays healthy, he's dangerous in Leonard Fournette. You have five receivers that are good out there. And I would venture to say that Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens are doing better than Marquise Lee this year. When the team lost Allen Robinson at the beginning of the season, those of you that didn't believe in Jacksonville didn't believe in them a little bit more. I said, let's see what happens. I said, this sucks, but I've I've covered this team for nine years. Been on site, on location in Jacksonville over the last nine years. And I've covered them before that from afar. And I have said over and over again, for those of you that have listened to the show, you know the truth. I have said to you for the last three years that they have drafted well. I have said to you that you have to give them time. I have said to you that they are building something. I have said to you that they have done some good things and made some good moves and brought Tom Coughlin back, which was which was when they had their most success, is when they had Tom Coughlin. I told you to be patient. I told you to give Blake Bortles a chance. So Deion Sanders is not the only person that made some bold statements. And now I'm asking people to go back and listen to those statements. Go back and listen to my past shows in the archive. Listen to what I had to say. And listen to what Deion Sanders had to say about this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Now, did I think they were going to be 10-4? and No. Did I think that they were going to win the division? Not necessarily. But I've been telling you that this is a team that can become very dangerous. And so did Dion. Will win their division. What? <laughs> I didn't stutter. No, did that's that. That's a bold prediction. You know the last time they won it? I don't care what the last thing they won. You wanted the bold prediction. That's bold. It is bold. 1999. They, they, they just beat Houston. Uh huh. You know. You know who else is in that division? I, I'm with you. I just have to get the okay. facts out there. We just saw. We just saw what Indy's going to do. Somebody said the last time they won it, you had her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 
Hey, I, I don't even need to talk no more. What I just did, I'm out of here, man. I'm gone. I ain't need to talk no more, man. Deion Sanders laughed at on national television for saying that the Jacksonville Jaguars, is a bold prediction, were going to win their division this year. Well, Deion, we are not far away from that being truth. We'll take a step aside here for a quick fast break. Come back with Jacksonville Jaguar one-on-one replays in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy that you're listening in here on the broadcast, and thank you so much for tuning in this morning to the show. Coming up right here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It's time to hear from the Jacksonville Jaguars in my one-on-one Jaguar replays on what the team's been saying to me as of late during this season, what they've been thinking as of late during this season as the team moves forward. They're 10-4 and right now. They're playing well. They're doing some good things. They've been successful and... It is, you know, this has been something that the team has wanted for a long time, obviously. It's something that they've worked for for a long time. But bringing on the people that they've brought on has really helped the success to be a reality. It was a thought. It was a hope. It was a desire. And now it is a reality as the team surges forward and is ever close to winning the division of the AFC South and has already punched their ticket to the playoffs. When you look at how important it is at this point in the season to punch your ticket to the playoffs with two weeks to go, I mean, Jacksonville, first of all, Jacksonville would be happy to punch their ticket any week of the season after going 3-13 and last year and being as, as, as having as tumultuous of, of times as they've had as of late. But they are one of only three teams that have clinched a playoff spot in the AFC so far. One of only three and one of only five overall in the NFL. There's 12 spots. Less than half of them have been attained. And one of those is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Jaguars head-to-head. Here's the crazy thing about life. The New England Patriots helped out. The Jacksonville Jaguars, which they typically don't do, they're 11 and three. The Steelers are 11 and three, but New England, with this recent win, owns the tiebreaker when they defeated them 27 to 24 on the road. If Pittsburgh is to lose this week and Jacksonville is to win, both teams will be 11 and four, and the Jacksonville Jaguars will go into second place in the AFC. And second place in the AFC is very good for the Jacksonville Jaguars because. It gives them a nice little break, and it gives them an automatic guarantee to get into the second round of the playoffs. The Steelers are at the Texans. The Texans have played atrocious lately, but if somehow, some way, the Steelers lose to the Texans and the Jaguars defeat the Niners, then the Jaguars will bump up to second place, and the Steelers will go down to third, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they hold strong in second place, They will not have to worry about playing the New England Patriots until the AFC Championship game if both teams are to make it there. And that's a good thing for the Jaguars because the Patriots have been the bane of their existence ever. I mean, anytime they play each other in the playoffs, it's a danger zone. So that would be a good case scenario for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars, here to talk about it, Jacksonville Jaguars one-on-one interview replays with Calais Campbell as well as... With Calais Campbell as well as A.J. Boye, Malik Jackson, all of these guys have come onto the team over the last two seasons. They were not with the Jaguars a couple years ago. They have been a part of the change. A.J. Boye came over to the Jaguars in the offseason from the Texans. Calais Campbell came over to the Jaguars in the offseason from the Arizona Cardinals. Malik Jackson came over two two years ago, two off-seasons ago, after winning a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning. As crazy and as far away as that sounds, it was only two years ago that the Denver Broncos won 
the Super Bowl, and they won it with Peyton Manning as their quarterback, but they really won it because they could lean on their defense, and a big part of that defense was Malik Jackson, who let me wear his ring, which was awesome. So they are here now to share their thoughts in these Jacksonville one-on-one replays of interviews that I had with the Jaguars very recently here about the team, about where the team is heading, and what they can say about the level of talent of this squad. And so first and foremost, I'm going to start with Malik Jackson and what he had to say to me about this team and the defense. These are all guys that within the last two years, like I said, have been brought onto the team. And when people ask me, why are the Jaguars successful? It's because they made really good moves in the draft and good moves in free agency. One of them was getting Malik Jackson. Uh, it's just awesome, man. It's one of those things that the DBs are doing a great job. You know, I can sit here and say that D-line's rushing. Uh, we're doing our thing. But, you know, that, that, that those cornerbacks and those linebackers are just being where they're supposed to be and making them pump the ball and look down at the rush, and that's all we need as a D-line. Marcel said that he feels blessed to be here and blessed to be a part of this team. Just what you can say about the D linemen and, and how you guys play off each other, feed off each other. Man, I'm blessed just to be here with him. You know, it's one of those things that we, uh, the, the front office has done a great job getting guys in here. You know, I, I think I was the first one here with Abe, and then uh, they brought Yannick, they brought Calais. You know, it's one of those things, <coughs> excuse me, Marcel in here, they, they want to win here. And they're bringing D linemen, I understand, that starts in the trenches, O line and D line. And so they're, they're, they're bringing high quality uh, uh, guys that come here and put people in dirt and get up to the pass rusher. So to have him here, to have the guys I'm here with, it's a blessing for me because I get to learn how to better my game just by watching them in the meeting room. So uh, we're going hand-in-hand, and it's just, it's just awesome being a Dean Ryan with my am because it's not like this everywhere. When you look at where you came from coming off the of Super Bowl with the Broncos and coming in here and seeing some talent and seeing that there was some positivity that could come forward, just how far you've seen the team come since you got here? I mean, it's awesome. You know, it's one of those things that I think for me, I'm happy I came when I came because I get to see the ugliness that, that was last year. Now this year to see the fans filling up the stadium, the fans Fans cheering, you know, everybody just showing up, people talking good about us in the community and feeling good about us, you know, and feeling good about themselves. It, it's awesome. And it's just, ha- I'm just happy I can be here with these guys and bringing the city back to where it needs to be and uh, putting us back on the AFC South. Next up on the docket following Malik Jackson is Calais Campbell, who is on the line with him. Malik Jackson has a defensive tackle. Calais Campbell has a defensive end coming from Arizona in the offseason to the Jaguars. One of those big pieces that have helped out in a big way on that defensive line and in general for the team. So Calais had to say about what he took away from the team early on in the season. At the beginning of the year, you know, I knew this team was going to be special. You know, it was just a matter of time. You know, so, uh, you know, I mean, we've worked really hard. You know, we put the. I mean, I, 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 I guarantee you we've. I worked every other team in, in, in the league. You know, I mean, we just we, we bust our tail uh, time and time again from 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 day one. The coaches ask a lot of us. You know, we stay focused. We, we came together, and uh, you know, we're just playing family ball. You know, we plan for one another, and uh, good things are happening. And keeping with the theme of those that have helped to change the Jacksonville Jaguars for the better. The Jaguars, like I said, in the last three years have have drafted well, in my opinion. Three or four years have drafted well. At least the last three years have done so. But taking these other pieces, these veteran pieces, you try to find someone, and that's what Jacksonville was lacking, you know, in the locker room for all the years that I've been there, and especially recently, I'd walk into the locker room and I would just say to myself, you know, where's that guy? They used to have those guys that you would walk in and you go, wow, wow, like that's you could smell the leadership. You could feel and sense the leadership. And I just felt like they didn't have that recently. With Calais Campbell, with Malik Jackson, with A.J. Boye, you get that. You get that desire, that want to win, and that there isn't going to be this 
level of mediocrity that was going to be acceptable. A.J. Boye, huge part of this. Man's got a bunch of interceptions this year. He took Russell Wilson twice taking the ball away. A.J. Boye asked him about the additions to this team, him being one of them, and what his thoughts are. Um, you know, uh, like you said, those pieces really helped out a lot, but just the coaching in general, man, you know, they've always made sure we was on top of everything and the competition, the hard offseason workouts, that all helped us out and made us a close-knit group. That coming once again from A.J. Boye, and I feel like it's only fair to go to the other side of the ball, and, and when I speak about you know, making those decisions and bringing those players on. Jadon Mickens is a guy who has done an amazing job. I mean, you think about Jadon Mickens, he returns he returns a punt for a touchdown. He returns another punt 72 yards when he needed 73 to get to the one-yard line, and Leonard Fournette punched in, punched it in against Seattle. Then he goes off. He goes off against the Houston Texans. He's like, he's the fifth-string guy. It's the fifth string guy. If you look at Allen Robinson as your number one guy, so you go Allen Robinson, you say he's your number one, then your number two would be Allen Hearns, and your three would be Marquise Lee, your four would be Keelan Cole, your five would be Jadon Mickens. And Jadon Mickens in this game, two touchdowns on four catches for 61 yards. Keelan Cole had 186 yards on seven catches. He had a touchdown too in this game. Just phenomenal play by Jadon Mickens. And I spoke with Jadon about something that he had to say that was really interesting. He said, this is a team that has meetings before their meetings. And I want you to listen in to if he's ever experienced something like that before. Uh, never experienced nothing like that. Uh, sort of in Oakland, but never, never, never nothing like this because you know these, these, this team is being rolling off. It's not the most athletic team or most this and most that, but we know what we have here, and, and we're showing it every day. And, and those perceptions are beginning to change every day uh, we step out on the field on Sunday. What is it about this team that makes it so special? Because, I mean, obviously you've had your moments on special teams. Corey Grant's had his defensively, number one defense in the country. Mm -hmm. Blake is showing that he's improving as the season's going on. Just what you can see from all three phases. Uh, all, three play, all three phases, we want it. We're prepared. We're coming in. We're prepared. We're ready, we're ready to fight. We're ready to scroll. We're ready to clap, uh, scratch to get to where we want to get to, to be in the postseason and to be past the postseason and to be in that Super Bowl. But first it's going to take each day each week, each game. Usually when the ball's you know bouncing towards you and it's coming off the grass or off the turf or whatever, that can be a little bit of a dicey situation. Mm -hmm. You turn that into a 72-yard run mm -hmm. back that Leonard Fournette was able to get that one yard on. Just what you could say about having faith in yourself and ability because I think it, it goes either unnoticed or disrespected or both yep. when you're a punt returner to make those plays and to just put your body out there to get the ball. Yep, uh, That could have went one of two ways. It could have went bad or could have went good, but I was confident about everything I did. I gave, I gave full if energy and effort and you know I, I also study I study Tyreek Hill I study uh, Devin Hester Dante Hall you know I've seen what those guys can do and and how to set up a return so you know that's just coming from studying and knowing you know I mean heads up just play football do you mix it up when you say that you study all of them, or do you take pieces of each of them, little nuances of things that they, that they do? Yeah, pieces of each, and then depending on the, the person and who it is, I, I'll watch, make sure I watch a full highlight clip or a full, you know, highlights of them doing bad or them doing good, what not to do and what to do. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Making the right moves. Jadon Mickens does that in punt returns. He did that in touchdowns most recently on receptions. And the Jaguars have been making the right moves for the last few years here. Building. Building in silence. Building in silence to roar on the field. 
building in silence to be loud on the field. The last piece, the most recent piece, the the in-the-middle-of-the-season piece, featured a player returning to the coach that believed in him in the beginning. Buffalo Bills defensive lineman Marcel Darius and Doug Marone used to be together in Buffalo. Well, Doug went and got him. Helped him onto the Jacksonville Jaguars team. Brought him in to shore up, play against the run. And I asked Marcel Darius what he can say about being a part of this team, a part of this unit. And then we'll take a fast break and have Ross Turetsky ready right after this break to speak on the rest of the NFL. Here is Marcel Darius before the fast break on what he can say about becoming a part of this team. The last piece that was added in to a team that's now 10-4. and four. Um, I'm extremely lucky to be a part of such a close-knit group of guys that's <clears throat> about winning, that wants to win, and they made their mind up that we're going to go take it. It's not going to be given to us. I mean, like you said, you're blessed to be here, blessed to be a part of this team. What is it about this defense that there is that never-say-die mentality and that constant fight? I mean, it's something that Jacksonville hasn't seen for a while. Guys, um, guys, I like to play on a team with guys with egos because they expect highly of themselves. And, and it's not just across the defense. It manifests across the whole offense, defense, kicker, special teams unit, everyone, they have a level of expectation that some people overlooked and this organization saw that special thing that they wanted and they bring them all together and it's like these guys, they're here and they're developing to be the person and players that they want to be, it's special. How dangerous is Jacksonville in your opinion right now? Extremely. Extremely dangerous. And playing for Coach Marone, just what you can say about him. That's my man. We've been through ups and downs. And and I respect him. I respect him with the utmost. And I'm here and he I know the level of expectation he has that he wants me to bring to the organization, to the team. And, and just he expects for me to be for myself. And I'm just, I'm just thankful to be with the guy again and we're just moving forward and making things happen. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. 
Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse, next to the Ponderosa Plaza, where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. It's time in the morning menu to get into the NFL. You know what we do here on a Tuesday. It's on the prowl that starts off the show, Jacksonville Jaguars conversation and covering the team for nine years now and counting on on location and then even more so before that so on the prowl joins us every single tuesday morning you just heard from the jaguars i want to thank calais campbell aj boye malik jackson jadon mickens and marcel darius for being a part of today's broadcast and now it's time in the morning menu to spin into a segment where you know typically i'm sitting here talking with you about the entire nfl and all that is the nfl and what's going on in the nfl but you know, I, there's there's those moments in your life where you take a step back, and hopefully you do it every day. Hopefully it's not a fleeting moment, or it's not a moment that happens, you know, only only once in a great while. And to talk about the NFL for me is is something that I love. I mean, I love the NFL, all 32 teams. I feel like if you put me in a chamber and locked the door and came back and got me two years later, I'd still be able to speak on the NFL. It's just something that's that's been ingrained in my life, and it's something that I appreciate, and it's something that I always enjoy watching. But there's those moments where you take a step back and you say, I don't want to do this alone. And for the holiday season and the holiday spirit of, of just appreciating the things that you have, not the gifts that you open under the tree or the gifts that you have during Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever it may be, but the true gift of friendship. So to have a great friend and fellow sports writer this morning, Ross Turetsky, join me. He's co-hosted with me on the show before. We've done a lot of work together, be it the NCAA tournament or the NFL or whatever is going on in the world of sports and life. I thought to myself, to come on to this show and do what we normally do, which is talk about the NFL is fun, but to do it with a friend is even better. So it is, it is my proud and uh, appreciative morning to say that Ross Turetsky is here with me live on the line right now. My niece is right next to him, Lorelai, and uh, and you cannot uh, cannot forget Abigail, his wife, who is an amazing woman, as as is mine. So we've been very blessed, and you know, to come onto the show with Ross today 
means the world to me. I, I would talk to this man about cheese for three hours. Doesn't matter to me. So, Ross, how you doing today? Very good, buddy. Happy holidays, everyone. It's the last night of Hanukkah. Christmas is six days away. Very festive time of year. I got my little baby daughter right near me. She is a little over five months old. She's almost about to crawl. She's rolling over and flipping herself over at all times. So I've always uh, have to stay vigilant. Got to keep an eye on her. And she likes to dress up as a little bat baby with her little Batman outfits. And we put her in little Pittsburgh Steeler jerseys and all that stuff. And sometimes my sneaky jets, the J-E-T-S Jet Jet Jets, she usually vomits on those because okay. she shows what most people feel. And that's how I feel after watching a Jet game. Even though, as we'll probably talk about, a lot of Steeler fans, including my wife, probably wanted to do the same after the referee controversial calls with that Patriots game. I think a lot of uh, regurgitation wanted to happen after that game. It made, made me sick to my stomach just as a, a Patriot hater who hates the Tom Brady, the Patriots, and Bill Belichick. They found a way to win again. So, uh, But everything else besides that is going well. We're looking forward to uh, spending our first Christmas Feliz Navidad with our little baby daughter. And uh, I hope everything goes well for you and your uh, loved ones and everyone out there. Just be nice to each other. Have a great time and enjoy the football season because we're almost in playoff football. And it's going to get better and better from here. To start the conversation where, where you had it, I'm going to read something and then we're going to discuss this is the official rule of the NFL on what a completed pass is. Article 3, completed or intercepted pass. A player who makes a catch may advance the ball. A forward pass is complete by the offense or intercepted by the defense if a player who is inbounds, number one, secures control of the ball in his hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground. And, two, touches the ground inbounds with both feet or any part of his body other than his hands. And, number three, maintains control of the ball after A and B have been fulfilled until he has the ball long enough to clearly become a runner. A player has the ball long enough to become a runner when after his second foot is on the ground, he is capable of avoiding or warding off impending contact of an opponent, tucking the ball away, turning upfield, or taking additional steps. Note, if a player has control of the ball, a slight movement of the ball will not be considered a loss of possession. He must lose control of the ball in order to rule that there has been a loss of possession. If the player loses the ball while simultaneously touching both feet or any part of his body to the ground, it is not a catch. Item 1. Player going to the ground. A player is considered to be going to the ground if he does not remain upright long enough to demonstrate that he is clearly a runner. If a player goes to the ground in the act of catching a pass, whether without contact by an opponent, he must maintain control of the ball until after his initial contact with the ground, whether in the field of play or in the end zone. If he loses control of the ball and the ball touches the ground before he regains control, the pass is incomplete. If he regains control prior to the ball touching the ground, the pass is complete. That is what I will read. Now I will ask your opinion, Ross, of that catch, no catch by Jesse James. This is the thing. Technically, by the letter of the law, the referees technically got it right. You know, on the field, the referees called it a touchdown. And it's supposed to be beyond the reasonable doubt, like the court of law, if they see something, the the New York NFL headquarters the studio in New York City, then they could overturn it. And it was a big-time play. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, the broadcasters themselves, never mind fans at home, they didn't originally think that, that was going to be the case. They were worried about, oh, maybe he had his, his knee down and maybe he should be down at the one-yard line instead of when he reached over, you know, is it a touchdown? He reaches over the threshold for the touchdown. Then after a while, when they kept looking at the referees, they're like, something might be up. 
This reminds me a lot of the Des Bryant uh, controversial no touchdown catch against the Packers. That big second round playoff game a few years ago. It went against the Cowboys. Uh, it was a devastated play for the Cowboys. Their season ended basically on that play. When with Tony Romo and Des Bryant and company, they were on their way to upsetting Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and go to the NFC Championship game. And Dallas has been in a Super Bowl in over 20 years, and that was a big play. There's been a few. There was the Calvin Johnson play. That was the, one of the first big ones from a few years back. It looks pretty obvious to me that it's a catch. But then this crazy idea is that I think they should be, take this away from the rule book. This is rides me at the touch uh, the touchback ruling with David Carr. Uh, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Carr is trying to reach over and tries to score the touchdown. Ball goes out the back of the end zone, and the Raiders lose on Sunday Night Football to the Cowboys. That's a controversial play. Uh, and then there was the uh, the tuck rule with Tom Brady and the Raiders. That's another controversial one where it looks like you're throwing the ball, and it's an empty hand, and then they still say, oh, he attempted a pass, no fumble. So there's a lot of these plays that, it, by the rule book, they technically got it right on the replay. But what annoys me is, first off, if this was pre, uh, pre-replay pre from about 1998 season, about 19 years ago, that's a touchdown. So for the first like 80 years in the league, that's a touchdown, what we saw. And it also is a problem to me when you see something that from basically any person's point of view, from the naked eye, including the referees on the field, they saw a touchdown. It's after the fact, when you slow it down, this idea that, and even the rule, the, uh, the word is you have to survive the ground. It's ridiculous to survive the ground when, first of all, you basically get penalized for making athletic football movement. And they say you can make a football movement, but you get penalized. Basically, if Jesse James would have, he would have um, corralled the ball in into his uh, body, has the catch like he did, and just goes down and doesn't attempt to go over that threshold for that extra yard for the touchdown. He just stays at the one. It's a completed pass. They're at the one-yard line. And probably with Le'Veon Bell or one of the big-time steel players, they're going to probably ram the ball in for a game-winning touchdown. But basically, he gets penalized for trying to make an athletic movement, a desperate uh, but athletic movement, to try to get over the threshold, get that glory, and win a big game for the Steelers when it looked like they were going to lose the game when Brady led the downfield and uh, gave them the lead. There was the crazy Juju Schuster catch down the sidelines, gets them the ball near there. And it's just very frustrating that basically, for being athletic and being doing something that's positive to help your team win, you get penalized for it because the only reason why the ball ever hits the ground at all, and he kind of loses control of it, is that he has the catch. He obviously has the catch that he then tries to reach over, and the ball kind of doesn't even fully hit the ground. It kind of moves around and jiggles a little bit in there, so I guess you could say loses control. So basically, in the end, it's like the Des Bryant catch that they said was a no catch in the playoff game. They said that... Uh, that basically you have to survive the ground. And the thing that really annoys me is this basically most likely is going to decide home field advantage throughout the FC playoffs. And on that one controversial call, the Patriots are probably going to have home field. It's going to go through Foxborough in New England, and it's very hard to beat them there in a playoff game. Instead of having what most likely is a good chance is going to be an AFC championship rematch between Steelers and Patriots, instead of having at home in Pittsburgh, now Pittsburgh might have to go on the road to New England, and even though they played them tough without Antonio Brown, who was hurt most of the game, and have to beat them on the road, and we saw last year in the conference championship game, they got blown out in that game. Uh, so by, by them doing this controversial call, and technically they got it right, but I hate the ruling uh, between that the touchback ruling when the when you leap over to try the pie line and the ball goes out the back of the end zone, you reward the defense on a play where obviously the offense player is just going for the extra effort. And usually you reward extra effort. Here you get penalized for it. And so by them doing this ruling, and it's happened again and again, 
whether it be Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, or now Jesse James, it's to sign a key play of either a playoff game or now to decide possibly hope to advance throughout the playoffs. And in many ways, it could have handed the Patriots a clear lane to try to get back to the Super Bowl. And I know a lot of people will hate the Patriots as is, and it made me sick to my stomach. It just uh, blows my mind that they get away with it again. And, but but the crazy thing is, technically by the letter of the law, it's the correct call. And then, of course, Ben Roethlisberger, instead of just uh, at that time spiking it on third down and the, the game-time field goal for the overtime, he, of course, throws the interception. So that ends up happening. If that doesn't happen, let's say if Jesse James, they, they still call it an include pass and they score a touchdown the next play or two, then no one really cares about it. They talk about it, but if the Steelers win that game, no big deal. But because the Steelers lost and there was the interception after that and they don't even go to overtime with the field goal, it's going to have to get highlighted. But I hate the rule. I don't know about you, buddy. It's technically the right call, but I hate the rule that the NFL goes with. You used to know exactly on the field what was a catch or when you're at home watching it. Now I'm never too sure exactly what's a catch. I'm at best 50-50 when they do replay. And some of these experts, alleged expert broadcasters, they have no idea. So if they don't know and they're supposed to be the experts of the game, I think that's a little messed up. When you're not sure on a game-win play or this or that, key parts of the game, and basically the game so getting decided on the field, it gets decided in a, in a computer lab in New York City at the NFL headquarters. It should be decided on the field. And used to know what it catches, don't know it anymore. No, and the confusing part of it is that <clears throat> in this rule, I, I read item one, which was player going to the ground. Item four says ball touches ground. If the ball touches the ground after the player secures control of it, it is a catch, provided that the player continues to maintain control. That in and of itself doesn't make any sense. Because you're saying if the ball touches the ground after the player secures control of it, it's a catch, provided that the player continues to maintain control. But if it hits the ground, then they don't have control. So item one says if the player goes to the ground, he's got to maintain control. And then item four says it can touch the ground as long as he has control because he's maintaining control, but it's touching the ground. Uh, the rule, the item one and four contradict themselves. What it comes down to is... It leaves such a gray area, and, and what the officials uh, recently have been saying about this whole thing is, you know, if we change this, we do this, we do that, then it's going to become even more vague. This is vague. A, a, a catch is a catch if the ground decides that it's a catch, but if, that if it's not a catch, but if you maintain... It all comes down to maintaining control, which is left up to this massive gray area that the officials have to decide, did he maintain control or did he not? Now, you make perfect sense, Ross, that if Jesse James did not make a football move, which is a catch, by the way, by the letter of the law, you catch the ball, you make a football move, it's a catch. Now, people start asking, what the hell is a football move? Is it to put my hand behind my head and dance? Is it to put the football out? Is it to tuck it in? Is it to do this? Is it to do that? Right. So he has the ball, he tucks it down, and then he pulls it over. He puts it over the goal line. Now, here's the other question. Whenever the ball crosses the threshold in possession of a receiver, who cares what happens to it after that? Is it not a touchdown? Now, the ground becomes a huge part in all this, but again, as I said, receivers get treated differently than running backs. A receiver has a much harder job at, at, at compelling an official in today's NFL that he's caught a pass and that he's going to do something with it. Because if I was a running back and you hand the ball off to me at the 40-yard line, as soon as you hand the ball off to me, I am in possession and control of the ball. I've maintained control of the ball. And if at any time I drop that ball, it is a fumble because it has been considered that I have control of the football at the time. If I hit the ground and the ball comes out, did my knee go first? Did the ball go first? But I have control of the ball from the moment 
that it is handed to me. If I am a running back and I am running from the 40-yard line, the 30-yard line, the 1-yard line, wherever, and I put the ball over the threshold of the goal line, it's a touchdown. If I'm a receiver and I catch the ball and I put it over the threshold of the goal line, I have to hold possession of it after I hit the ground. It's a it's a large gray area. It's a they large gray a lot area. More difficult for the receivers and the running backs, as you said. You see all the time they try to just try to barely get it over the goal line. You try to just kind of lift your body up a little bit to get over that line. As a receiver, that ball dare even goes near the ground, or you jiggle it a little bit, they're going to say, "Oh, did that full control?" They're going to call it away, uh, and it's ridiculous. And uh, you know, last year to clinch the AFC North division title on Christmas Day, there was the big Antonio Brown move where he does the little leap and he stretches the ball out over the goal line for a touchdown. Jesse James here is just trying to show that go the extra effort to win his team the game. As Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. And here, you get penalized for playing to win the game. And does anyone, even if you're a Patriot fan, if you just take off your fan cap hat on for a second, and I don't even care, my wife's a diehard steel fan, whatever, no big deal. Just think about it. Did anyone who watched that first off, you know, for the naked eye, say, oh, that's an incomplete pass? No, you all thought it was a touchdown. Then you're like, oh, there's 28 seconds left with two timeouts. Watch out. Tom Brady might do something, might come back and win this game still. Uh, but whoever touches the ball last still might win. But no one really thought from the second they saw that that that's not a complete pass. It's ridiculous that the idea that you slow it down and then they go to instant boost review because it's under two minutes in a football game that even the Patriots seemed to, real, to, to think at first that was a touchdown. They weren't going to argue it. I don't think they would have thrown the red flag in. It's just they, they review every score and play anyway. And within a couple minutes of regulation, they're going to review every play. That get that gets automatic in New York City from the headquarters. But I just I find it a problem that that everyone basically thought it was a catch, and then after the fact, you're going to slow it down. And as much as you're like, oh, technically that's what the letter of the law. There's interpretation there. There's gray area that the referees can say the intent was definitely he had the ball and he just tries to reach over. And the idea. You know, the worst I thought when I saw that was maybe he was going to say, oh, his knee was down, and maybe he's at the one-yard line. That was the worst I thought was going to happen. The idea that they took that away, and then within like 30 seconds later, they get picked off in the end zone, and you don't even have the overtime with the field goal. I was like, what the hell happened? My wife was distraught. She even said, I got to eat some uh, some candy now. I'm going to have to raid the refrigerator. And I didn't blame her. I had to eat with her. The sympathy pains because I'm like, I can't imagine that. As a Jet fan, I joke with her. I'm dead inside as a sports fan. I expect to lose. I No big deal. They played close with the New Orleans Saints where they were overmatched. And Bryce Petty's the quarterback now for the rest of the year. They won't even let Hackenberg play even without McCown. Uh, that's how bad they think Hackenberg is for Penn State. I'm dead inside. So when they came close and they lost, I was like, no big deal. I, but I can imagine as a, as a diehard fan who you know is in competitive games week after week, I can imagine how gut-wrenching that was. And for her, and, to, and for her as a diehard fan, and for me, that you know, as a spouse who you know loves my wife and wants to see her happy, it broke my heart. Plus, I hate the New England Patriots. I cannot stand them. Watching them celebrate, it reminded me of the Super Bowl from three years ago, when all they had to do was hand Marshawn Lynch the ball, Seattle, from the one yard line, and they win that Super Bowl. And and then last year, coming back from twenty-eight to three, when Atlanta blew the Super Bowl lead, twenty-five points when they're up uh, in the second half. That was gut-wrenching. So basically, anytime New England wins, it is so gut-wrenching. It is a gigantic punch in the stomach. And then to do it on a controversial call, it's like that. And then if you remember back in 2001, the tuck rule with Tom Brady, it's like, yeah, Brady got suspended for four games last year with the deflategate thing. But besides that, almost any on-field incident, it seems to always go in New England's favor. And 
I don't know about you, buddy. I don't know if they're going to change this anytime soon. And even forget about the whole Patriot thing that annoys me. This rule needs to be changed because most people on the field, coaches, players, analysts, experts, they don't know what a catch is anymore. And it needs to be defined that as long as you have the ball and you're able to move with it and make an athletic movement, you should have the right that you can reach over at, uh, the end zone and the ball hits the ground. When you're reaching over, you have the ball already. That should be a touchdown. And so the idea that that's not the case, and I don't know if they'll ever change it, because the referees basically, and everyone in charge of the referees, like, we're just going to go by the letter of the law because it's easier that way. We don't have to deal with it. We could just say, that's what the rule book says. I don't have to think about it. But, hey, I think they're, they're paid well enough that they should have to think about it or just make it easier and change the rule. Yeah, you know, it, it is. And it's really come down to this great confusion. You know, as a fan, you watch the game, you get excited about the game, and you think that it's a catch. It's not. A, I mean, in my eyes, when you when you freeze frame Jesse James, and he has his knee on the ground and he's outstretched into the end zone. And here's the thing, too. People say, "What about the knee?" Well, you have to be touched. You can catch a ball in the open field, fall down to the ground on your knees, on your arms, on your elbows, on whatever, but they have to touch you. Obviously, the Patriots thought that it was a touchdown because as soon as he caught the ball and reached over the threshold, somebody ran over from the Patriots and tapped him on his back to say he was down. So, you know, it, it's it, it's this crazy thing about the NFL is that you, we're asking the question, is a catch a catch? Because sometimes it's a catch and sometimes it's not a catch and is it's it's just it's insane the naked eye shows you he caught the ball because the ball didn't go by him the ball didn't fall out of his hands he caught it with his hands so he grabbed it he tucked it down and then he could have as he was going down with it it's almost like he had a thought of let me just keep it down here by my stomach then he said screw this i'm going for broke and he stretched it out and when you stretch, I mean, you look at the Des Bryant play where Des Bryant was running down. I mean, you think about Des Bryant making a football move. He took one, two, three steps against the Green Bay Packers. And, five yards he right. Like, Through his body five yards into the end zone. And that's a non-catch. Basically, you be, you're best off when you catch the ball, you should just drop to the ground. That's what they're telling you. Don't even try to go to the end zone when you catch the ball. It's well, well, maybe what it is 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 when you're playing the Patriots, just fall on the ground with the ball. But I mean, because and the thing, and, and I know that there's there's conspiracy theorists and and all this stuff about the Patriots, and and you know the the thing that that comes to my mind, that the question that comes to my mind is, you know, the tuck rule was instituted, which helped out Tom Brady, and the catch rule was instituted, which helped out. Tom Brady and the Patriots. So, you know, it's it seems like all of these rules that are, that are being added to the NFL's book, seem they, they seem to never hurt the Patriots. There's never been a moment where I think a rule has affected the Patriots in a negative way. I mean, you look at, you look at the tuck rule, and then what do people say? They say, well, Dan, you know, they still have to make the field goal. They still have to win the game. They still have to complete the pass. They still have to get the interception. But the thing is, when you help a team that's great, the Patriots are a great team. The, the, the slightest bit of help that you can give them is the dangerous because any team will tell you in the NFL that in order to beat the Patriots, you have to play a 99.99999% perfect game to win it. I mean, you think about what Pittsburgh had to do to play in this game the way that they played. And credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars who spanked the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh where the Patriots needed every single second of the game to win this one, which says something about where Jacksonville's at and where their defense is at. But, you know, to me, with, with the conspiracy theorists about the Patriots, 
there there's enough evidence to state that these people aren't crazy but the Patriots still have to do all these other things well to win the game my question comes in like you said with Des Bryant you know Des Des caught the ball turned up the field which is a football move but apparently I don't know apparently the football move is the merengue now because you have to do something but you get the ball you turn he goes up the field and I always said it's a catch if it's three steps as a child, that's how I taught myself. As an adult, that's how I taught myself when I'm watching a game. Back when rules were normal, you'd catch the ball and I would say one, two, three steps, right? Left, right, left, right, left, right, whatever it may be. Do a little dance in place, but you have the ball. So he t- catches the ball. He turns up the field. He takes one, two, three steps, lunges toward the end zone, sp- and then and then tumbles over to put the ball over the threshold of the goal line, loses control of the ball. This man had possession over possession over possession of the ball. The fact that Pereira said what he said about this being a no-catch, and then he put just ask Dez, I was like, wait a second. Are we taking, as an official, are we taking shots at somebody right now? Are we making this personal right now? So, you know, to me, I was just ask Dez, dot, dot, dot. Man, I'll smack you in the face. Like, that's not, you don't do those things. And I mean that figuratively. I'm a very humble and and, and, and nonviolent person. But if I'm Dez Bryant, I'm going, listen, man. You can kiss my, you know, I mean, like, this happened a couple years ago, bro. I don't need to hear about it again. That's like. I bet you, you mentioned him. What about that catch, Des? I'm sure he still wants to flip out about it. That The pain of that playoff loss to be eliminated when they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl that year, I'm sure it still eats at him to this day. Well, I'm telling I'm telling you straight up like this. That's like that's like the moment. Like, Pereira took a moment out of Chappelle's show where, <laughs> where, where, the, where, uh, where Tron is there and he goes, Hey, Chuck, I got your girl. Like, that's where, that's that moment. You know, it's like it's like that. Hey, remember that time when your girl was dating you, but now she's dating me? And listen, she's better off. Like you know, to put dot 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 just ask Des. Man, be a professional. Be a professional about that. Okay, when I when I make a prediction and somebody else makes a prediction, I'm not going. Hey, remember when Bob Smith was a moron? Like, come on, we need to back this up. Leave Des alone. And it was it was a dig. Des Bryant caught the ball turned upfield, took three steps, lunged toward the end zone. If anything, he fumbled the ball. It's, I mean, if he was a quarterback, it's a fumble. If he was a running back, it's a fumble. If you're a, if you're a wide receiver, you have to catch the ball, have enough time to sign your name on it, and then continue to run with it. If you can catch the ball, take a pen out of your pocket, sign your initials on it, then it's a catch. I'd be afraid to even hand the ball off to the referee and, uh, until they totally blow the whistle, play is dead, and call it a touchdown with those two arms up. I'd be afraid any movement of the ball, or if the ball even goes near the ground, I'd be afraid to spike the ball in the end zone if I was a receiver. Because anything you do, they could say technically not, not control. Football, like a movement, but not control. It's ridiculous. As you said, any other position, it wouldn't matter. And receiver, a catch is a catch. We thought of that for the first 70 years of football, but now these last 5 to 10 years, we don't know what a catch is. So that's a messed up problem. But the one thing I'll point out with your Jaguars, you mentioned, respect the Steelers early in the year. The Jaguars, and they thought all at the time they weren't going to be good. And then Mike Jets even found a way to beat them, which was a shock. Early in the year, the Jaguars started off inconsistently. They now have their first playoff team in 10 years, 10 wins. And if they can, if the Steelers lose one of these last two games against either Houston or Cleveland, and I know that's asking for a lot because Houston stinks without Deshaun Watson at quarterback and Cleveland's winless, but if the Pittsburgh Steelers would drop one of those last two without Antonio Brown there 
and Jacksonville wins out, Jacksonville has the tiebreaker beating the Steelers around the year. Jacksonville could actually leap over them and get that first round by. Not likely, but it's still possible it could happen. And either way, your Jaguars are going to the playoffs for the first time in a decade. And they beat the Steelers in that playoff game with David Garner at quarterback in the first round of the playoffs back in 2007. I remember that in the first year of Mike Tomlin as the Steelers head coach. Yeah, you know, it was it was definitely a long time ago, it was a decade ago, that, that they've been relevant. And, you know, when was the last time that they were really, really relevant? Well, that just happened to be this time when this guy, I don't know if anybody knows him, he's a fullback for Syracuse, and he won two Super Bowls with the Giants. His name's Tom Coughlin. He's, he's a relatively unknown man. He's, he's totally unknowable. I mean, to the naked eye, nobody would be able to make out who he is. But... You know, I mean, it's he was with Jackson. I think the worst thing in the world was he was with Jacksonville, and it was like playoff after playoff after playoff after playoff. Then he leaves and wins two Super Bowls, which I believe belong to the Jaguars. And then he comes back, and now he's the executive VP of football operations. I asked GM David Caldwell, what's the biggest change at the uh, pre-draft party in April of this year? What's the biggest change with having Tom Coughlin in the building? And he said, well, there's a lot more khaki pants. And and it's the truth. Because this man, he's like a drill sergeant, but he commands you to do the right things. Now, bringing Tom Coughlin back, you know, Doug Marone's not a bad coach. I know people in Syracuse are bitter, and I get it, and I love you all, and I appreciate. But the thing that I will tell a Syracuse fan over and over and over again, you would not be bitter and hateful, and you should never be hateful, but you would not be bitter and angry and ups- and just just upset years later if he wasn't a good quarterback, or if he wasn't a good coach, I should say. If he was a terrible coach, if, if Doug Marone was, a, was an atrocious coach, then nobody would care that he left. But the fact that there's still a bitter wound that feels like a Buffalo Bills wound, which they have too with Doug Marone, is, is when you lose a coach that's done some good things or is trending upward. Doug Marone got Syracuse back to the bowl season. That was an unheard of notion. And he went to two bowls in the time that he was with Syracuse. And he did well. And they spanked Geno Smith. And in that game, I said, Geno Smith is not an NFL quarterback. And granted, I'm telling you time and time again, Geno Smith, as Ross knows, is not an NFL quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, you look but at... Yeah, yeah, because Ben McAdoo is is just, you know, Ben McAdoo, it sounds like Mr. Magoo. I feel like Ben McAdoo should be a cartoon that I watched on Saturday mornings where he just made haphazard decisions like like benching Eli Manning, and I thought it would be great. He had the slick back hair like he was like such a cocky dude, just like Emilio Estevez in like the second Mighty Ducks movie when he gets really cocky about how good his team is and it's all about him, not the team. He slicked his hair back, and all his answer was about how bad the Giants would be. Oh, we're gonna check the tape. We're gonna check the tape. And then I loved it the day before he got fired. After they got, uh, they lost with Geno Smith against the Raiders. He's like, until they deactivate my key card again in the building, I'm gonna show up to work. Well, the next day they deactivated his key card, and Eli Manning was back as the starting quarterback for the Giants. They made sure of that because if they would have went back home to MetLife Stadium, uh, they made, that game was on the road. That one game when Eli didn't start, Geno started. The fans would have revolted and went crazy. So they were best that they fired Ben McAdoo when they did. And Eli and the Giants, they're not great, but they hey, they pushed the Eagles, even with Nick Foles who threw four touchdowns placing Carson Wentz. They pushed them to the brink and almost knocked the Eagles out in that game, and the Eagles clinched that first round bye. But the Giants, Eli Manning threw three touchdown passes and actually looked pretty good. When you have something to work with and Odell Beckham Jr. comes back next year, they'll probably draft the Korak of the future with the top. They, right now they have the second pick in the draft besides the Browns who are winless. They only have two wins this year, the Giants. The Giants, they'll probably get good at some point. Uh, for their future, but right now I would say the idea of Eli Manning, a lot of people are saying, you know, 
Blake Bortles is playing better for Jacksonville. Some people were like, if Tom Coughlin could convince Eli Manning to come there, and he loves Tom Coughlin like he's his father, um, as, you know, his second father. A lot of people said that Eli Manning and, and uh, with the Jaguars could lead them to the promised land, win a Super Bowl. I you know a lot of people like to bash Blake Bortles, and there's a lot of reason to bash him. He has played better in the last few games, but hey, Eli Manning not, might not be fully done, and I'm sure if Jacksonville or Denver or someone else that should have available to them, those teams' fortunes could go way up because he's still pretty decent. Listen, Eli Manning is obviously not better than Geno Smith or Ben McAdoo wouldn't put Geno in the game. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke, folks. Please do not write into the show and tell me how you feel about that. That is a joke. Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, with all the injuries going on with the and I'm taking a sidebar right now. I got to take a sidebar because I, I know that I had a point that I was making here, but I got to go to the side for a second on this Ben McAdoo thing. Ben McAdoo, Ben Ma- playing the Ben McAfoo. I mean, this guy is so, seriously, in his mind, in his right mind, he said, hmm, okay, our offensive line has a ton of injuries. Our running backs don't play that well. I can't figure out how to not play four of my running backs, and when you give everybody five carries or ten carries, it doesn't help the team out. So, he says to himself, I don't know how to run the backfield. Our offensive linemen are injured. We have lost three of our wide receivers for it at times when Sterling Shepard was out. So the best piece of advice that I have for my team, whose defense can't stop anybody and whose offense has been stripped of a lot of protection for Eli Manning and all of his skilled players at, at, at a time here, now, and there, Brandon Marshall being out, Sterling Shepard being out, and also Odell Beckham Jr. being out, losing all of that in his infinite wisdom, he said to himself, I got it, Eureka. The reason why we've had so many injuries and the reason why we're not scoring and the reason why we have people on injured reserve is Eli Manning because he's a witch doctor and I know he's been drowning up some black magic there in the locker room. So if I get rid of Eli Manning and I make him sit on the bench, everybody will miraculously be healthy. Brandon Marshall will come back. Odell Beckham Jr. will be back here on the field. The offensive line will learn how to protect somebody and our defense will make stops. All I need to do to make this team better is get rid of the only player that stayed healthy that's good that is a remnant of a flicker of hope. Let me let me drown out that flicker of light. Let me get rid of Eli Manning. And by getting rid of Eli Manning, I will secure the greatness of the New York Giants. <laughs> Sounds like a foolproof plan. <laughs> <laughs> is it one I mean, seriously. Seriously. If I'm I Eli Manning... I think once every show, you need to do a Ben McAdoo rant. Just get it off your chest. Say, like, I've had enough. i got to mention this. It's a holiday season, but i got to get this. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Ben, ben McAdoo before we take a fast break, Ross, okay? Because you want me to do this, and I'm going to do this, and we got a fan listening in right now that loves our analysis of this. He just said, Eli is Luke Skywalker, and McAdoo is Snoke. Okay, I like that. I can roll with that. Snoke is, Snoke is ugly. My wife was like, you know, they needed to make him different. She didn't I, told, I was trying to tell her, when there's a Sith Lord or anything like that, they're supposed to be ugly and disheveled because they are so drawn into power. And it's kind of like if you follow the opposite of God, right? You go to all this stuff and all these riches and all this power, but it it literally sucks you dry and you become a shell of yourself and you look disgusting like a giant alien. And that's what Snoke looks like. Now, for Ben McAdoo, and I'm just going to make this analogy. We're going to take a fast break. I'm going to say it. And then I'm going to go to the fast break. You're not even going to have a minute to react. You're going to have to let it marinate over the fast break. If Ben McAdoo was the owner of Chick-fil-A, he would get rid of chicken. We'll be back in a moment. 
This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands with fan hands. The ultimate sports fan accessory. Find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on fanhands.com where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear fan hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Ben McAdoo's Chick-fil-A Sands Chicken. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call 
DT, if you if you missed it before the break, we were talking about Ben McAdoo and making fun analogies. And I made the fun statement that if Ben McAdoo became the owner of Chick-fil-A, the first thing he would do is sit the chicken. He would say, get over in the corner. We're not about chicken here. This is Chick-fil-A, and what we're going to do is sell spaghetti. And if you don't understand it, we'll check the tape. We're here with Ross Turetsky, a good friend of mine, great friend of mine, brother of mine, and a uh, sports writer out of Pennsylvania. Always appreciate spending some time. People already liking the quote online. Thank you. Shout out to you people. And having a good time here on the show. Ross, I want to go back to, you know, we were talking about what's a catch, what's not a catch. And by the NFL rules, I don't even think they know because item one and item four contradict each other. But uh, essentially, it's about maintaining control. You brought up Derek Carr, and and uh, it's been brought up on other shows. I was li- listening to Rich Eisen on his show yesterday. I appreciate uh, uh, Rich and, and Stuart Scott were my favorite tandem on SportsCenter growing up as a kid when I was like 10, 11 years old. And I loved watching those two guys. When they broke apart, it was like the beginning of the end for me. I, I've always loved ESPN, but that was that was like – my dynasty moment was Rich Eisen and Stuart Scott. So I was listening to Rich yesterday, and he said, you know, the the more heinous rule might actually be the rule that took the Derek Carr run where he's trying to outstretch for the touchdown and turns it into not just a a fumble out of bounds or not just, you know, something that, I mean, I I guess the only thing you could call it was a fumble out of bounds, but the, the fact that the ball stays in bounds, goes out of the back of the end zone, becomes a touchback for the other team. And, you know, just just the reality that you could go from making this big run to try and score and win the game to what essentially is a loss of possession. So let's go into this rule. I mean, if you're Derek Carr, if you're a runner, as soon as you take the ball anywhere, you have possession of it, which we already said is wrong for receivers because they have to hold on to the ball if they have the ball at the beginning of the movie Titanic, they have to be holding on to it four hours later at the end. And then still, they can't hand it to the referee right away until they've crossed the threshold of the goal line, taken a two-hour nap, made some chicken pot pie, and then hand the ball to the official. Then it's considered a catch. debate over why was she so nasty and selfish that she didn't share that raft, that door, and keep Leo aligned. Kate Winslet. Rose was selfish, and she killed him. She said, I'll never let go. She did, and because of her actions, they couldn't share that raft. She killed her, man. So that's, that's so wrong. That, I told you, but I told you. Okay, when I was a kid and I saw that movie, I walked out of that movie and I said, why didn't that selfish woman share that damn door? And I thought I was the only person. And people around me would laugh and i make jokes about it whatnot. And then as, the, as social media became real and Facebook and, and Twitter came about, in the last couple of years, I've realized that there was a giant movement called Share the Door. And, you know, I'm not going to say I started the movement, but I will say that I, I, would, I would hope that I could be a forefather of the movement. But years ago, I mean, I'm talking 22 years ago, I made the statement, Share the Door, and she didn't. So and and so I my belief is when she said never let go she was looking at Leo but she was actually holding the diamond in her other hand and she was telling the diamond my hands are frostbitten don't leave my hand is what I think she clutched it so that when her hands went frostbitten the hand was clenched and closed so I think the diamond was a never let go moment if I was Leo watching that movie back again there is shrapnel of this boat. I'm going to call it shrapnel. There's pieces of the boat everywhere. There's no way in hell that he couldn't have 
gotten up on some other piece of something and been okay. He was dedicated to love. He was dedicated to every single second with her, and it clouded his judgment of grabbing one of the doors that was going by. So, you know, I got to give it up to Leo. I know, but I'm saying she, you know, he loved her. He loved her outright. She just loved the diamond, and it, and it was so sad. It was so, and you know, the funniest thing is if you think that I'm wrong, look at the commercial for Zales Jewelers right after she drops the diamond into the water. Just watch the commercial. But I mean, in the in the remake, obviously the remastered version of Titanic. But you know, she should have shared the door. And in my last ditch effort, if I was Leo, I told you what I would have done. If the door had a knob on it. In the last moment, as I was about to go underwater, I would whisper, you should have shared the door. I'd open the knob, and she would fall through with me. And then we would both die of free of freezing to death, and you would have to die with the diamond. Yeah, it would have been sweet, but they would have been together in the afterlife forever, so it would have been sweet. I would have said, if you love me as much as you say you do, then let's take some damn turns here. You know, she's out there shivering and, and you know, her, her mouth is twitching and whatnot. And she's like, Leo, it's so cold. And he's like, he's like, oh, I know. I know it's cold out here. I'm in the damn water, man. I would have said cold. I'll show you cold. And I would have flipped that damn thing over. Listen, I love my wife, but if she let me sit in the water, which she never would, Kate would never do this, because Kate is better than, she's better than Kate Winslet. Same name, different type of lifestyle. But, you know, Kate Winslet, she was, I mean, she to this day, if I ever met Kate Winslet, I'd be shaking my head going, how could you have not gone to trial for murder, okay? We need to talk about, we need to discuss what you did in that movie, and why you let Leo die. And then we need to discuss how God loved Leonardo DiCaprio so much that he brought him back to life and made him a movie extraordinaire, and he's been acting ever since. So he died in your movie, but he came back after that, and Leonardo DiCaprio is a national treasure. But if, if it was up to, if it was Kate and I, number one, she wouldn't have gotten on the door without me. Because if we were going to die, we're going to die together. If we're going to live, we're going to live together. But this woman, she just, she falls off that thing, jumps right on that, that, that log of wood, right on that door. And she's hanging out there and she's like, she's like, Leo, there's, oh my God, there's a searchlight. People are coming. Don't worry. Never let go. Where in actuality, she was like, I see that guy over on the raft over there. And I'm thinking that it's time to make a change. <laughs> I totally agree. At least take turns. If you had to do that, do a few minutes on the raft, a few minutes off the door. I would have accepted that. What did I learn as a child? Sharing is caring. Yeah. And this is what I learned as a child. Okay, this is what a teacher taught me. Sharing is caring. Sitting on a door and watching your friend freeze, it puts you in hell. Okay? That's murder. It puts you in hell. Sharing is caring. Not sharing the door is murder. It's murder to the 10th degree. It's murder. I want I want Titanic 2, the trial of Kate Winslet. That's what I want. The trial of Rose, Titanic 2. And the ghost of Jack will haunt her for the rest of her day. And you know what? At the end of the trial, when she ends up being guilty, you know where they put her? Shutter Island. Shutter Island, that works. 
And then, and they let him get off. It's one for one. She comes on to Shutter Island. He has to stop taking the pills. They let him off of Shutter Island. That's what I would like to see, you know, or in the movie Inception, because they can alter reality, maybe they should have went back to that moment and taken care of business and let things be what they are. Another problem that I have with the Titanic movie before we finish with this, which has nothing to do with football, <laughs> is the fact that <laughs> is the fact that when the ship was going down, there was a guy at the top and he fell off the ship because the ship's turning and he can't hold on. He fell off the ship. He's plummeting to water that's probably 20 degrees. This man is going to die of he's going to die of freezing to death, okay? He's going to lose his life very quickly. On his way falling off the boat, there's one pillar that is between him and the water. And he falls right at the pillar, smacks his head on it and you hear this boom and then he falls into the water. So now he's unconscious and he has no hope of living in the water. So to me, you know, if I was going back and speaking to the director, the producer, the screenwriter and all this good stuff, I would say whoever, you know, in in the uh, in the credits, whoever is falling man number 4, let the man not ha- have his head get hit so he has a fighting chance of knocking Kate Winslet off that damn door. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Let's send a letter to James Cameron with a nice uh, a nice complaint about it. It's 20 years after the fact. We never forget Leo. Yeah. Raw, see, I'm Italian. Ross is Jewish. The reality of it all is our mothers don't forget anything. So we have to send a letter two decades later in honor of our moms to say James Cameron never forget. Okay? And listen... I'm sure Kate Winslet is a wonderful lady, but the character that she was playing in that movie, she was a miserable old Betty. That's all I'm saying. It's all I'm going to say. And at the end of it all, the only thing you held on to, which wasn't your man, you held on to the jewelry, she throws that into the water. So what do we learn about Titanic? That if you hold on to material goods, they will never make you happy. That's what I learned. I think it works very well. And as we were saying on the commercial break, our mothers or any of uh, Italian, Jewish mothers, whichever type of mother you have, a lot of times they'll remember something, an argument, a complaint that you had, they had from like a decade ago, and they'll hold on to it in their holster. And when they're ready to strike, when you're arguing about something totally different, they'll come at you with that thing. But you forgot to give me this, you, get, you messed up on this present a decade ago, and they'll bring it up when you least expect it. So get, watch out, guys, because that's going to happen to you one of these days. When you're watching your favorite football game on a Sunday, you might get an argument about something that happened 15 years ago. So be vigilant about that. Absolutely. And to bring it all back together, Ben McAdoo pushed Eli Manning off the door when the Titanic was falling. I mean, the team, look, at the, look at the Titanic that is the Giants right now. They're going to get a quarterback. If I'm Eli Manning, I'm saying, let me go. Just let me go. I want to go. I'm done. I'm out of here. Okay? I don't need it. I thought I was going to be here for another couple years. I know how y'all feel about me. If I'm Tyrod Taylor, I'm hightailing it out of Buffalo. Buffalo didn't respect him last year. They don't respect him this year. There was all that controversy last year at the end of the season that if he was in this game, they'd have to pay him more money and this, that, and the other. Just let the man go. I mean, I don't know what it is about these New York, New Jersey teams at the moment, but if you don't appreciate it, then let it go. If a man won two Super Bowls with me and he's having a tough day, I'm going to let him play. If he's had two Super Bowl wins with me over the Patriots, who nobody beats, and he's without three of his receivers, we have not given him a good running back, and his offensive line hasn't been healthy in two years, and we didn't draft anybody to fix that, 
that Eli Manning, if anybody is complaining to anybody about anything, it's Eli Manning to the front office. You sit your butts down, you listen to what he has to say, you take heed of what he has to say, and when Eli this season says jump, then the Giants say how high, not the other way around. And this could be the end of Eli Manning with the New York Giants. Why? Because if I'm Eli Manning and I got two years left, I want to go south. I'm calling Miami. I'm calling Jacksonville. I'm calling those teams that need me right now. I'm taking a look around the country and saying, you know, Tampa Bay's good. San Fran's going to be good. I look at Arizona with that dry heat. You can go over to Denver, who's had three quarterbacks do absolutely nothing this season. They still have a great defense. They have some good offensive weapons, receivers and running backs, offensive line. Von Miller, great defense. You go there with a viable, decent quarterback compared to Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, those guys who get hurt or stink up the joint. You go there, you might be like your brother Payton. You might be able to even latch on to the defense and win the Super Bowl basically as a game manager. And as long as you don't turn the ball over too much, you might help them win. And you might be able to edge out your brother with more Super Bowls before your career is done. You might have a chance to win one more title. You stay with the Giants, which in the end, I think you might end up doing. You're going to be a placeholder for a bad, mediocre team until their top draft pick, where they're going to get with that number two pick this year, is going to take your job in a couple of years. You go elsewhere, you have a chance to win another ring. Yeah, you know, and to me, he should go. And that's what that's what our Giants fan just chimed in about here. Don't blame him. Go somewhere nice where he is valued. Absolutely. You know, I look at it like this. Tom Coughlin went back to the place where his name surged. And you think about it like this. He's helping turn Jacksonville around. He was part of the greatest time in Jacksonville history of their 23 years of existence. He's trying to do some great things again. And he's in warm climate. So you go back to where you're appreciated. You go back to where people are going to give you an opportunity to build and be successful, where you are revered as an individual. And on top of all of that, it's a retirement place. It's one thing to say, you know what? I'm going to go to Minnesota to do this because I want to go back and then I'm going to retire. Well, Minnesota's cold. If you're Tom Coughlin, you don't have to do anything. You just kind of, you go down to Jacksonville, you enjoy your time in Jacksonville, you stay there as long as you want to, and then you retire. What do we have here? As far as I'm concerned, he didn't quit the Giants. The Giants quit him, assuming he leaves, of course. And that is an agreed statement. Ross, uh, to get to, but to get to this, uh, this rule of Derek Carr that we've digressed from, the the rule of the, we, were, we were talking about that another play that happened for my Jets against the Patriots and it worked out for New England. If you remember back in October, the Jets had a t- what should have been a touchdown, which would have had a great chance at giving them the lead, and, and they would have won that game. The Jets about to pull off an upset, still in playoff contention at home against the Patriots. They were arch rivals. They had a similar play where the guy, the tight end try to reach over to the end zone to hit the pylon, which is what you see a lot of exciting plays. You try to hit the orange pylon for a touchdown. And in the end, it, and they originally called it a touchdown. It went out the back of the end zone, and the Jets ended up getting a touchback, lost possession of the ball, no touchdown, and the Patriots got the ball back, and the Patriots won that game. Like I said, the Jets weren't really going anywhere this year, but they still were in the hunt at that point, and they had a chance to beat New England. And that was another case where the NFL rules favored New England, and it just happened to be a great team who doesn't need any help, got the help, and that was a play from earlier in the year. And then you saw it with Derek Carr. Uh, the Cowboys were, you know, they were dominating most of that game. The Raiders came back. They could have won the game, the Raiders. They probably should have won that game. And in the end, basically all their playoff hopes are out the window now because Derek Carr tried to, you know, give up his body and fling his body to hit that orange pylon. And in the end, he, the team got screwed over because he tried to go the extra effort. And by him doing that, 
Yeah, you know, it's and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, another another guy who's trying to do some good things, another guy who is out there trying to make a big play, make a big splash at the end of the game to save his team. And, you know, in the ball, so think of how long he ran with the ball to come around the edge and to jump forward. He loses it at the last second. He's already out of bounds, so he has no hope of regaining control of it. And not only does he lose possession of the ball, but the team loses possession as a whole. So he fumbles the ball, but then the team loses the ball. So you go from being a yard shy, maybe, to being in victory formation on the other side and having to sit there and watch. It's just such a quick turn. It's such a quick turn to be somebody who's trying to turn the corner into the end zone, and then all of a sudden the other team's in victory formation due to the rule that if you fumble the ball and it stays in bounds and goes out the back of the end zone, guess what? It's a touchback, you've lost possession, and it's on you. What will some people say? Don't fumble the ball. What is reality of playing football? 99% of the people that say don't fumble the ball could not go out there and do what Derek Carr did. So, you know, there's these rules that are, it's it's very, very difficult. It's just very difficult in the NFL today. And the NFL, the last thing in the world that the NFL needs right now is to take the people that are trying to make these big-time plays, these Superman plays, these beyond-human belief plays, and to turn all these plays down because you've had everything going on on and off the field, the Colin Kaepernick situation, all of this stuff that has muddied the NFL, Roger Goodell getting an inorbitant amount of money to stay as the commissioner for another five years, everything going on with Jerry Jones, Ezekiel Elliott being a huge crybaby and not taking the suspension and putting his team in a terrible situation. And then how about the Carolina Panthers owner now? Jerry Richardson's going to step down because of his alleged sexual misconduct and other things he's done in the past. Now the Panthers are up for are going to be up for sale. And P. Diddy, you retweeted it. He wants to buy the team. And I guess he doesn't even know who the quarterback of the Panthers is because he automatically wants to hire Colin Kaepernick to be their quarterback. Maybe as a backup. And it's nice that he wants to do that if they would let him buy the team. But... I hope he realizes Cam Newton's the all-pro quarterback who's the quarterback of the Panthers. I don't think he even realizes that. Yeah, and I just put out uh, I just put out a thing, and I tagged him. I said, I would love to have Diddy on my show to speak on becoming an NFL owner. Why not hear him out on the idea? You know, I, I think, to me, why is it a bad idea? You know, why is it a terrible idea? Diddy makes a ton of money. He's a businessman. He obviously knows how to make money and keep money. So... Why not hear him out at this point? And the thing is, am I? do I think that Colin Kaepernick is the answer to a team to go and win a Super Bowl? No. But if I'm in a position where it comes down to Colin Kaepernick versus, uh, let me just go down the line. Let me have some fun with this thing, okay? Buffalo Bills going back and forth in, on and off a of tie rod. Matt Moore getting injured and Jay Cutler in Miami. The New York Jets and their 72 quarterbacks and they don't like Christian Hackenberg. From the day they drafted him out of Penn State to right now, they've never believed in him. So why in the hell is he still on the roster? To the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah, they have Andy Dalton, but you have to look at the future beyond that. So the Cleveland Browns, who draft a quarterback, they're the only team in America who makes sense for them to draft a quarterback every single year with their first-round pick. To the Houston Texans, who have Deshaun Watson, but if his health is an issue, to have a backup there. To the Indianapolis Colts, who have no answer at quarterback. Denver, who has had three and no answer at quarterback. 
to the Giants, who are obviously looking toward the future, to the Redskins that won't just pay the damn man, Kirk Cousins, who's been saving your behind more often than not, to the Chicago Bears, who have Mitch Trubisky, and it would have been nice to have a veteran in there, to the, I mean, you just to the Arizona Cardinals, who are eventually not going to have Carson Palmer, who gets injured every single season. How this, I mean, how many teams, 10, 8, 10, 12 teams that I can say out of 32 would need Colin Kaepernick right now in this moment? So to say to me, well, he's just not that good, Dan. We checked him out on film. Jamarcus Russell was allowed to come back into the NFL and take more than one. I think he had two opportunities to come back. He was well out of shape, wasn't ready to come back. I felt terrible for him. I wanted to see him make a comeback. If you can give an opportunity to Jamarcus Russell, who I figured out made like $4 million per loss, then why not give an opportunity to Colin Kaepernick and let him go out. I mean, the thing is, to say he wasn't blackballed by the NFL is to literally be one of the most ignorant, naive people in America because you cannot prove to me, of all the teams that I named, that Colin Kaepernick wouldn't be, wouldn't have been a viable candidate as a backup quarterback to at least do some positive things on a team. I mean, seriously, really? Brett Hundley? Brett Hundley yeah. is better than Colin Kaepernick with Aaron Rodgers out. In the playoffs, uh, right. Aaron Rodgers came back. They would have had to win all three games with Atlanta winning last night. They're out of the playoffs. They could have, and even with the Eagles now, and they gave a chance to a controversial Michael Vick back in the day. The Eagles right now they're decent with Nick Foles. You know it's a devastating injury to lose Carson Wentz, but this could have been their year to finally win their first ever Super Bowl. Even though they might still get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and they might still be able to get to Minnesota to the Super Bowl, they might have to beat Minnesota, who might be playing a home game in the Super Bowl for the first time ever. But if something would happen to Nick Foles, they don't have a decent backup. They got a bunch of random like youngsters who've never really played before. So even as a backup to Nick Foles, that whether it be Kaepernick or Robert Griffin the third, who said that he would be willing to come out there. That would probably be an option because the Eagles, if anything happens to Nick Foles, but they're lucky they have when Wentz went down, they're really out of luck and they'll be screwed. Yeah, I think it, I think it's insane. I really do at this point with Colin Kaepernick and, and this, that, and the other. I, I think that I think that teams can't, you know, I mean, and, and it's to their own demise because the more that they try to blackball somebody who is capable of at least being a backup. I'm not saying that Colin Kaepernick's a great quarterback, and I've said on the show that I think that he was found out in the Super Bowl. He was figured out by the Ravens, and the following season he was a shell of himself. So I'm not here saying that Colin Kaepernick is this phenomenal, great quarterback. He hasn't been the same since the first half of the Super Bowl against the Ravens that they ended up losing. But he is still a whole lot better of an option than what some other people have out here. And you can't underestimate the fact that a player can get better. They always say that you can't give uh, an old zebra new stripes. You can't do this, that, and the other. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. But I don't believe that. I believe that you can. I believe that people can grow. And once you stop learning and growing, there's no point in sticking around. So to me, Colin Kaepernick obviously knows that he's got to go to work and he's got to put in the effort. And I don't think that that's the question. I think the question is that the NFL looks at him like he started something that we don't like is going on right now, so let's make an example out of him, which just turned into making more Colin Kaepernicks around the league, which just turned the league into something that people don't want to watch, and the league has only hurt itself before it, instead of addressing issues. I think one of the greatest things that any team has done in the NFL, and I'm not saying this because I cover them, is when the Jacksonville Jaguars said, we will kneel before the national anthem in solidarity as one team as a whole with all of us 
to say that we are against police brutality and things need to change in this country. Then during the national anthem, we will stand arm in arm as a team in our entirety. And from this moment forward, we will do it all together so that people know exactly why we're kneeling and that we and that they know that we respect the flag and we respect this country and everything that this country is supposed to be. When Shad Khan, the owner of the team, sent that email to myself and everybody else in the media that covers the Jaguars, I was elated to know that somebody got it. Because the kneeling never had to do with the flag, but it became about the flag because of the talking heads on the outside, people getting frustrated. Then you bring up the conversation of what the flag represents and how people were treated in the past and how America to you may not be America to somebody else. And it's created this giant whirlwind storm that it should have never been. So the Jaguars got it right. The rest of the NFL should have gotten it right. Shame on Roger Goodell for not coming out and speaking on things that actually matter. And shame on the owners for not coming together as a group and saying that we need to respect the players. Because the day the players walk off the field, the owners have... They're going to... Listen, these owners are going to be rich no matter what. None of these 32 NFL owners are going to be hurting if their NFL team walks off the field. They're still going to have money at the end of the day. But that city will lose everything. If you want to make a statement, if these players at any given time decide not to play, the NFL doesn't exist. Just like I say to people all the time, you want to change democracy, you want to change the government, you want to change the things you don't like, you want to change the politicians, then make a stance as a unity and don't go. If nobody went out and voted, then there would be no winner, there would be no loser, and democracy would be at an all-time low and people would have to listen. You don't like gas prices? You can't just stop buying gas. Everybody in the state of New York has to stop buying gas. Then California will do it. Then Florida will do it. Then Minnesota will do it. Then Oklahoma will do it. Then Kansas will do it. Then you make a stance. The NFL should have come out in the beginning and said, listen, there are a lot of people that are upset about the issues that are going on in this country. We need to address them and we need to be forthright. Roger Goodell never spoke about abuse of women until he had to. He never admitted that he saw the tape until he had to. And he hasn't done anything about police brutality and the anger that it has caused the people in the NFL to give a damn about their brothers and sisters in this world. He still has not done it, but he has to. So Roger Goodell, what do I think about you and your reign as the commissioner? I used to respect it, and now I look at it as a reign of terror. Because I look at the character of a man or a woman based on the things that they're willing to tackle. And the fact that you have ran away from everything that matters in morals and values in this country and only focused on the NFL and the product of the NFL and get the players on the field, this, that, and the other, you have focused on making money, but you haven't focused on integrity of the game. And that is shameful. That's what I have to say. It'll be interesting to see who will be his replacement. He says he'll step down. Last week he announced he'll step down. In 2023, and they'll have a replacement in place by 2020, and in just a couple of years. But who knows? What's to say that he's just not going to get another flunky who's already in his office, who's just going to be a Roger Goodell Jr. or Roger Goodell clone? So who knows if it's going to get any better? I know the players; they really have a lot of distrust between the owners and Roger Goodell, who fights on behalf of the owners. And in the end, it could turn into a messy labor union discussion and, and fight when they do have to eventually uh, renegotiate their uh, labor agreement and make sure there's no lockouts or uh, strikes in football because there's a deep distrust, <clears throat> whether you like him or not, with the domestic abuse issue where he's covered with the suspensions uh, and then with the, uh, the kneeling thing. 
uh, everything that's kind of gone on, and even Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, he supposedly hired a big-time attorney to try to go after Roger Goodell and didn't want Roger Goodell to get extended with his contract and they make a mass amount of money. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to get any better. It'll be interesting to see who will be his replacement come uh, 2023, but I don't know if it'll make much of a difference at this point. Absolutely, and it's going to be something that'll be interesting to see exactly how they do it. I think the players need to be involved in the future of the NFL. And, Ross, before we finish up here, it is only fair that I play this for you and I and everybody listening. I love you, Jack. We're going to fast-forward it here through all of their freezingness. Yeah. Watch them grow. You're going to die an old, an old lady, warm in her bed. Not here. Not this night. Not like this. Do you understand me? He's halfway on the door. Just jump. I can't feel my body. She just says, I can't feel my body. That, that's shameful. I'm thankful for that. You're just rubbing it in because he can't do anything right now. Here it goes. Here's no matter one. what happens, promise me now, Rose. And never let go of that promise. I promise. And here. See, Lily doesn't even like it. Lily. Uh, Lily's upset. <laughs> And here he goes. He's going. He's going. He's going. He's feeling it. And she never wants him to let go. Yet, guess what, folks? He had to let go because he had frozen to death, okay? So he had to eventually let go. And Lily's in the studio. She's not for it. We're going to take a step aside. Ross, as always, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for everything. Thanks for having me on. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a great holiday. Happy New Year. And I love you, buddy, and uh, enjoy the great holiday season and enjoy these uh, football playoffs that are about to come up because that's going to be exciting stuff. I literally could not have played it any better that I played that part of Titanic and that my dog started barking, obviously, in, in rage of this. So I'm very uh, I'm very proud. I, I am. You know, at least at least people know about what matters. And, and Lily, obviously, Knows what's going down. Ross is always at some place. She has a song, and your puppy knows. She knows that that was messed up, and Rose, you did Jack wrong, and you should apologize for it. Yeah, and you could apologize, but you know what? He's dead, okay? <laughs> He's dead because he froze to death, woman. He's halfway on the door. When she looked at him, I forgot. I thought she did it, but I couldn't remember for sure. But now that I watched it here in the studio, she looks at him, and she goes, I can't feel my body. And I was like... You little, selfish, ignorant, naive woman. You crazy. What? Why would you say that? I can't feel my body. You know what I would have said? I would have said, ma'am, I, can, I haven't been able to feel the lower half of my extremities for the better half of this 10-minute conversation that we're having right now. I'm making you promise me that you're going to stay alive while I'm freezing to death. That is literally like seeing somebody on fire and saying, you know, it's kind of warm in my house when I turn the heat on. <laughs> Well, in my Dear Chappelle show, when they wondered why Austin the Grouch is always upset on Sesame Street, because he's like, I live in a freaking garbage can. You'd be upset too. <laughs> you lived in a garbage can. Right. 
So all I have to say to Rose is, listen, in the future, if you're ever put in a position where you could share a door with someone who has dedicated their love to you to freeze to death, do me a favor and tell them and just and don't make comments about how when you're driving three years later in the car that the AC is too cold. Just just do me a favor on that. So Ross is always happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. And I will see you soon. Hi to Abby as well as uh, the little niche, Lorelai. Yeah, my little my little niche from Boy Meets World. And we appreciate it as always, buddy. I'll talk with you soon. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you and your loved ones. All right. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. See ya. That coming from Ross Tretzky, great friend of mine and sports writer. And my dog has stopped barking. Lily's in the studio here with me, and uh, she's a sidekick in the studio all the time. Why? Because I own my own company. So if I want to bring the dog in the studio, that is what we do. So it's just funny to me how she never barks during the show, almost never. We've done over 200 broadcasts, and I think she's barked twice, this being the second time. And she just seemed to bark right when I was playing the scene that I have a big problem with that Rose didn't share the the door with Jack. Just a little issue there. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying that dogs are man's best friend and they also know what's right and wrong. We'll take a step aside. We'll come back with ingredients to success after this fast break. This is a wake up call. Fast break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Proud of you listening to the show, and I appreciate it so very much for you listening in to the broadcast, and I thank you for that. So thank you for coming on to this broadcast and listening Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR. 
facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're rounding out Tuesday like we always do with Ingredients to Success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company. You can get their ingredients all the time by going to your local food stores. It's a Utica thing. Has their Fra Diablo sauce, their chicken reggae sauce, their marinara sauce, and their rustic style marinara sauce. All on sale at your local grocers in central and upstate New York. They also have their seasonings on sale, their dressing on sale, and they have their tomato pies on sale. And if you want to do right by your family this Christmas, this Hanukkah, or this Kwanzaa, whatever it may be for the holiday season, it is your time to get yourself a Utica pizza basket. You can get that gift basket by going to 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York. Perfect gift if you're doing it for the secretaries, for people in your office, for your boss, for your mom, your dad, your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, the kids, whoever it may be, care package for college. Go to Utica Pizza Company on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners, and get yourself this gift basket to remember from Utica Pizza Company. And you can also go to your local grocers such as Nichols and get the It's a Utica Thing sauces, the sauces that you have at Utica Pizza Company. You can now use at home Chicken Riggy Fra Diablo, two types of marinara, and so much more, the tomato pie on sale as well. They have sold so many tomato pies that they have had to buy more and kind of ramp up here for Christmas time. So make sure that you get out to Utica Pizza Company. Don't miss another second. And get the wake-up call Chicken Riggy Pizza, my number one pick today, by going to 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, or by calling 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060 if you want to order it for takeout, delivery, or catering. You could do that right now, so make sure that you do that. And thank you so much to everybody who has been so amazing to go out to Utica Pizza Company and be supportive. EctoCores, I know, uh, longtime listener of the show, has been devout in going to Utica Pizza Company like twice a week. So thank you for appreciating and trusting in in uh, who we work with here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora to go out there and give them a try. And thank you to Utica Pizza Company that after we get some people on the show here to go out and give it a try and, and trust my word that after they experience Utica Pizza Company, it was a no-brainer to keep going back. Ingredients to success on today's show? Well, coming off of my conversation with Ross, it has to do with friendship. What are the ingredients to success of being a good friend? Well, it comes with being honest. It comes with being, you know, you know, because people always ask the question, you know, if, if you're a friend of somebody and you see their girlfriend or their boyfriend cheating on them, do you tell them? And they're like, well, it can get kind of dicey and this and that. You have to. If somebody is dating somebody, I've been in this position before, where a friend's dating somebody and the person that they're dating doesn't care to know any of their friends or be around people that care about them. That's a giant red flag for me. Do you say something? Well, I kept my mouth shut and it made it made my friendship with that person like 90% or 70% or 60% or 99% or 80%. It never made it a hundred until we finally got to have that conversation. And I got to say, listen, I want you to be happy. You seem like you're happy, but I just can't wrap my head around the fact that this person doesn't want to know about your friends and the people that love you. That's, that's just very strange to me, you know? So to be in situations like that, to be a good friend, you have to be honest. You have to, 
you have to be able to have open dialogue. You constructively criticize. You don't destructively criticize. I don't have friends that say, hey, you piece of you-know-what, you need to do this because you're a this and you're a this and you're a that. My friends say to me, hey, do you think it was the best option for you to do this at this time? Was it right for you to say that? Because your friends are supposed to know who you are and they're supposed to command the best in you in the best way possible. Friends should have faith in each other. They should have hope in each other. They should believe in each other. And they should know that when somebody says, I love you, and I know it with, with two guys, you know, guys get weird. Oh, I can't say love you to another guy that's weird. It's, it's this, that, and the other. I say I love you to, to all the guys that, that I'm close with because I love them and I do anything for them. I love Rob Drummond. I love Mark Jones. I love Joey Khalil. I love Evan Rosenthal. I love Nick, Nick, Nick Lo Cicero. I love Ross Turetsky. I love, love, I love Jason Lucas. And the list goes on and on. I love Papa Joe. Because to me, life is sacred. And if you don't tell the people that you love that you love them, what are you doing with your life? You die tomorrow, you got a long list of things you should have said or you wanted to say. I don't do that. I know who I love and I love them dearly. And I feel value, I feel appreciative. And I and I just am thankful for the people that I have in my life. So you got to be able to love and show it and trust. A good friend trusts you and you trust them. They don't trust you sometimes. They don't trust you with this and they trust you. They trust you to show up which is 90% of the battle. They trust you to be there for them and they trust you to be honest. And being there for your friend doesn't mean always agreeing with your friend. It means being there, literally. Being there for your friends, whether in spirit or physically. And let me tell you something. You're always there in spirit if you're a good friend, but a great friend will make the effort to be there in person. No excuses. They will come visit you. If you live in Arizona and they live in South Carolina, they will make time to see you. That's what a great friend does. Those are hard to find, but you can find them. And, you know, in this holiday season where people want to be loved and want forgiveness and want to make right and feel all warm and fuzzy inside, don't forget that feeling. And a great friend can, can fire, can, a great friend can fan the flame of all of that all the time, year-round. A great friend knows that feeling love every day is important, not just sometimes. So give the best that you can. Give the gift of friendship this season. It's free. It's easy. And it's important. Give the gift of friendship every chance you get. And thank you to Ross Turetsky for not just being a friend to me and not just being a great sports mind and sports writer, but I'd have him on the show no matter what because he's a great person. And if I've ever needed anything, he's been there. So shout out to Ross. Shame, I'm going to shamelessly plug Ross because he's a great person. He's a great friend. And the ingredients to success today were based on friendship because we were going to be on the show today together. We had some laughs. We had some fun. I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. We always do. And I, I can honestly say, 
he is a friend who sent, he sends me a message every single day, every single day, every single day. He's married, sends me a message every day. He has a child, sends me a message every day. Because how many friends are like, oh, you know, I have kids. I'm dating somebody. You're not going to see me for five months. I'm not going to talk for three years. To me, when you're a friend, you need to show up. And when somebody reaches out to you, it shouldn't take you two years to get to them. But if it does take you two years to get back to them, then don't let it be two years after that. Because there will come a day where you'll make that phone call. Nobody will be on the other line. And you don't ever want to be in that position. So the ingredients to success for a, for a good friend of mine, Phil Russo at Utica Pizza Company, and a great businessman, I appreciate you. I thank you. And the ingredients to success today are in honor of you too, Phil, for being a good friend, being a great friend, and understanding what matters in life. Have the ingredients to be a good friend. Have the ingredients to be a great friend. And make sure that you have the ingredients for a great meal at Utica Pizza Company by either takeout, delivery, catering, sit down, or by getting those gift baskets, 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York, in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. Their number is 315-214-3060. 315-214-3060. And you can also go to uticapizzacompany.com. Thank you so much for listening into the show today. We have two awesome events coming up this week basketball related and we have an awesome game show night coming up as well this tuesday and this friday for the seven o'clock games against buffalo and saint bonaventure respectively i will be on site at lee's and staggerwald so today december 19th and friday december 22nd at 5 p.m i will be with dale shackleford with awesome food awesome drink specials and great conversation speaking with the fans on syracuse we're coming off of the greatest show we've ever done at Lee's and Staggerwald. Thank you to everybody that came out and made the game so exciting for us when Syracuse took on Colgate. All of you that showed up at noon to celebrate that live game, that live pregame show at Lee's and Staggerwald on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York, five minutes from the Carrier Dome. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 5 p.m. for today's December 19th pregame show before Syracuse takes on Buffalo and we'll see you this Friday December 22nd before Syracuse takes on St. Bonaventure that is also a 5 p.m. show show up at 5 p.m. and bring with you your game ticket your first beer is going to be free okay so a free beer with your game ticket awesome specials the wake-up call pub nachos which is the some of the greatest and I'm not saying this because we designed them and I was a part of making this happen I don't make food unless I love it. I don't make food unless I would eat it any day of the week. And the wake-up call pub nachos with with pastrami and corned beef, they literally are mouth-watering every single time. It's very difficult for me to talk about them and not run out of the studio and leave this as dead air to go get some myself. Come get them tonight, Tuesday, December 19th, 5 p.m., and come get them Friday, December 22nd at 5 p.m., or any time during the week you can get the wake-up call pub nachos. But when you get them on Tuesday today at 5 and on Friday at 5 for the pregame show, you have the opportunity of meeting Dale Shackelford and myself and joining in the conversation. We had a great show, like I said, most recently, and we're looking to beat that record tonight and then beat the record again on Friday. So come out and hang out with us. It's the holiday season, and it's a great time to do it. Take a break from shopping, a break from baking, a break from all of that crazy stuff 
to hang out with us, grab a beer, grab something to eat, and see Dale Shackelford and myself, Dan Tatora, today, December 19th, and Friday, December 22nd at Lee's and Staggerwald at 5 p.m. And then I will see you for game show night live at 7 p.m. at Muddy Waters. It's our last one before Christmas. It's on December 22nd, the winter solstice beginner. And so on Thursday at 7 p.m., Thursday, December 21st at 7 p.m., we will be at Muddy Waters for game show night. Pictionary and Family Feud, two great games that bring nostalgia back to all of us. We love those games. We play them all the time. We watch them on television. They have been a huge part of the American pastime, and now they are part of your weekly adventure at Muddy Waters at 7 p.m. every Thursday. Come and see us this Thursday, December 21st to Oswego Street in Baldwinsville. So you have a place to be Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday, I don't know what you're going to do with yourself. I guess that's the day you do your last-minute shopping and you and you start baking and get all that stuff done. But Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, come and hang out with us. You'll have a great time. God bless you, and thank you to everybody that tuned in today, and thank you to everybody that listens to the rebroadcasts that you can pick up on wakeupcalldt.com by clicking on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and by downloading the free app powered by Podbean. I will be with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. And guess what, folks? We will be re-airing the live broadcast that we did. So if you were live at the event, you got to hear it first. That's the beauty of coming and seeing me live. So if you were there at the Wildcat last night for the Night with the Wildcats boys ice hockey team that featured Ryan Smith, Daniel Calabufo, as well as Pat McDonald and Timmy Wynn and John Galimi and head coach Frank Calabufo. Then we had a great time last night. We packed the place. Packed the place. Pictures are up online. It was absolutely amazing. It looked like a giant Christmas party. It looked like people that were sitting there watching an NFL game. So to the community, to the West Genesee supporters, the people in Camillus, people that came from all over upstate and central New York, to the parents of the kids, to the teammates of the kids and, and the fellow students, thank you so much for your unbelievable, undeniable support of what we're doing at the Wildcat Sports Pub every month with the West Genesee Wildcats. God bless and thank you to you for that. And and it, we appreciate it more than words can say. That rebroadcast of the show, which was a lot of fun with the guys, will happen at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning on mixlr.com backslash DT. In the meantime, find me on Facebook at wakeupcalldt, Twitter at calldt, Instagram at wakeupcall underscore dt, YouTube backslash wakeupcalldt, and of course on wakeupcalldt.com. Looking for a great stocking stuffer? The great thing for you to do right now is to buy your tickets to the CNY Pop Festival. You can get to the link at it's cnypopfestival.eventbrite.com, or you can go to at CNY Pop Festival on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and follow the link there to buy your tickets. They're only $15 pre-sale for adults, $10 for children, and $30 for VIPs. Buy your tickets now and put them in the stocking stuffers for those that you love. I'll talk with you soon. God bless as always.